When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. How are you doing today? Doing okay. Doing okay. Love to hear that. Yeah. Well, we have wonderful news to share with the listeners, and that is that we are now partnered with the leading experts in surf travel. Yeah, I know. I'm super psyched. Um, the people at Waterways have been sending me on surf trips for over 30 years, I want to say, since the 90s. So, um, look, I mean, I think the very first trip I, I took with Waterways was a mentorized boat trip. Really? And, yeah. They put me on the Nautilus. I was with the crew at Surfer Magazine. I, I was with Divine and Sonny Miller and some other guys. And um, it was incredible. And, you know, the thing that, like, you want to use experts. You don't want to use fly-by-night newcomers when you travel. You want to use guys that have been, I mean, Sean's seen it all. I mean, literally, like earthquakes, famines, coups, you know. And like I've always said, whenever there's a coup, you should go go surf there because there's not going to be anyone there. <laughs> but uh, they're the, ex. like, Waterways is the expert. They're, they're the experts in surf travel. It's just that simple. I mean, they've got so much experience. It's insane. And by the way, you know, COVID's a big situation regarding travel. It's on everyone's mind. And of course, the situation is fluid, you know, depending on where you're going. But um, of course, the guys at Waterways have all the up-to-date information. Yeah, that's what they were telling me too, is um, you could research stuff on your own for COVID, but it actually changes. It's changes its influx all the time. And it's obviously specific to uh, different regions. It's the rules are different, but they're up to the minute with all of that because they have these partnerships and relationships with not only the um, operators of each of those locations, but also tourism boards, government, all that sort of stuff. So you really just eliminate all of the concern with travel and it's waterwaystravel.com. We don't have a promo code or anything like that. It's just, um, just, we're just thrilled to be able to partner with them and tell people about them. Let me ask you this. How were the waves on that trip? They were incredible. They were really, really good. Um, I mean, look, if you go to the Mentorize, odds are you're going to get incredible waves. That's kind of like, that's the beauty of the mentorize. It's a no brainer. Like you're, yeah. you know, you're going to get bang for your buck. Right. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks to waterways travel.com and of course, realwatersports.com as well for, if you are going on that boat trip, you're going to need surfboards and where better to buy surfboards than realwatersports.com out of North Carolina. But of course they ship 
anywhere in the world for one flat low fee, which I think is pretty incredible. That was a huge unlock for the surf biz. So the question is, if you travel to the Mentawise, you use waterways travel, what boards are you bringing to the Mentawise? This is actually a really, I mean, you know, wouldn't be, how many times do I get this question? What boards should oh, I bring to the Mentawise? I got this question last week, a guy going to Australia and he's like, I want to travel light. How many boards should I bring? How, how few of boards can I get away with basically? Okay. Here's my answer to that guy. You bring zero surfboards to Australia. Zero. Mm. You buy your boards buy along there. Yeah, that's smart. Just buy used boards. Well, that's actually and, what and, I and leave them behind. Yep. That's actually what I did. I didn't leave them behind, but um, I didn't travel with any there. And that's what I recommended doing. The funny thing is for us, <laughs> it's a little bit different. I'm like, I well, I bought this one morning of the earth, Torn Martin hooked it up for me. Oh, and then Channel Islands loaned me two boards and I gave those <laughs> back to them when I was there. I know. So. <laughs> it is a little bit different for David and I, for sure. But my gut, I mean, and, and also some of my sloth kind of sneaks in here. Cause I hate lugging boards through the, bo through the airport, you know, now, if you're going to the mentalize, you're bringing your own boards, but Australia is a different beast. You can fly to Australia buy used boards. I bet they're a little pricier though than here. Um, you know, let's say you spent 250 us on one board. You really only need one board in Australia. Yeah. High performance short board would be. Perfect. Well, it depends. depends I mean, if you're where... going to, yeah, I guess if you're going to Byron or Noosa, you might need something different. But uh, well, to answer the question about the Mentawise, I my first thought was high performance shortboard, basically maybe fuller volume high performance shortboard. But you've been singing the praises of that Rawson kind of six six, I think it is. Yeah, and that I feel like that would be a great board too because really I'm not going to be cracking the lip, but I want to be able to do a turn. So you want paddle power, you want to be able to duck dive, you want to be able to get barreled, and then you want to be able just to do an open face carve. I'm really, again, I would love to think I'm going to be cracking the lip and blowing the fins out. I'm probably not. So the Rawson will probably do it. Well, here's my answer to that question. You bring three boards to the Mentawise and you bring your favorite shortboard, your favorite performance shortboard, your 510, your 511, whatever it is, maybe it's 5.8, I don't know, but it's the board that you know you're going to get barreled on that it's going to be a sick board for good waves you know a high performance shortboard whatever that is then your second board is an exact replica of your first board you bring two of those boards cuz you're probably going to break one and then you bring the 66 you bring a little step up you don't need a lot in the mentalize you don't need a 70 yeah. the 66 is perfect yeah step up for the mentalize if it's 8 foot it can do or whatever. I like it. Great advice. Well, you can get all those boards on realwatersports.com. I was actually looking at their website yesterday to try to get a gauge because um, I think it was Chaz, but on Beach Grit, they wrote an article about surfboard prices surging in Hawaii. And I was like, I'm sure that is, I'm sure that is true, but I just want to reference pricing kind of where I know uh, from retailers that I know. And it hasn't necessarily gone up at real water sports. Um, they've got those Rossins in that same range for, you know, the same price they've always been. Pizels, short boards for six and $700. Um, so pricing that I feel like is right in line with what it was a year and two years ago. Used surfboards maybe are more expensive, but new ones pricing I think is 
similar to where it's been. Yeah. Well, so. you know what? Waterways travel and real water sports, quite a combination there, you know? I'm in love. I'm in love with these partnerships and they're um, beneficial a, for the listener. You just need a swell. That's it. <laughs> in God's hands, awesome. so, so to speak. As we see some movement at the takeoff zone, it's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry, this thing holding open, it spits. Uh, when it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit, spits him out. Comes out after the spit, gets spat out of another good-looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got Hey, yeah, guy. Yeah, guy, David. Welcome, everybody. Yeah, guy, it's spit. It is the uh, Surf Talk podcast with Scott and David Lee Scales here. And uh, yeah, good morning, David. Did we already say good morning? No, but did you almost just yeah. by default say Surf Talk San Diego? I did. I caught I did. it. I caught it yeah. coming out. Yeah. I thought you were going to pivot to Surf Talk of the world no. now, that, now that we're global. Yeah, I just, you know what? It's called Spit. <laughs> hey, everybody, Surf Talk San Diego. What did I used to call that show? Oh, Down the Line. Right. Down yeah, the Line, Surf Talk for San Diego, XTRA, Extra Sports 1360 here. Weather, and- news, traffic on the hour. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know we got Surf Talk, to, to lots to discuss, but Shukin called in with a follow-up to our Sailor Karen conversation last week. Do you have any interest in hearing from Shukin? Yeah, I'd love to hear from Shukin. I'm a big fan. Who would you rather hear from than Shukin on Sailor Karen? God. <laughs> well, <laughs> second, second then, Shukin. Here we go. Aloha, David and Scott. Shukin here. Uh, great social etiquette conversation on last week's podcast. I really appreciate Scott's reframe on the Sailor Karens out there. Because I feel our ego's natural tendency is to reinforce, uh, to reinforce separation of self and other and to judge. And when we, it's usually what we don't like in ourselves that we see and dislike in others. Curious about how you feel about shaming on social media versus the walk of atonement from Game of Thrones where a confessed sinner must walk a certain distance, naked, fully exposed, and shamed. If Will Smith had to do a walk of atonement rather than apologize on social media, would it cleanse him and send a better message? As for what's causing some of these outbursts, could it be a result of these past couple of years of masking that has caused us to look at everyone and everything as a potential threat? that we have become more confused and it has spilt out into our everyday lives and caused us to hyper-react where before we may have been a bit more rational. To David's point about having to possibly put security at the events because of this, I agree. Where does it end? Remember how nice it was to be able to bid farewell or greet a loved one at their flight gate? Will we ever see that again? And lastly, did the WSL miss out yet again on an opportunity by not including one of the South Oahu breaks Devin Howard had worked on securing for the longboard tour 
in the wake of the national release of the Waterman movie on Duke Kahanamoku and Waikiki being his spot. Curious to hear your thoughts. Thanks a lot. Aloha. See you taking copious notes, Scott. Wow. There's a lot to digest there. Yeah. Um, Do you want to start or shall I? Well, let's start with this concept of a naked walk of atonement. (laughs) That seems rather dystopian, doesn't it? I like it, actually. But but his his question, though, was would it have changed if he had known that that was what was going to be required of him, would his behavior have changed? And um, I would say, yes, probably. I agree. I think because that is a consequence. Right. And so there's, I feel like you can, uh, you can't fake a naked walk of atonement. You feel shame, you feel the consequence, whereas you can fake a social media apology. You know what I mean? And you can actually leverage it for your own sense, like it just, no, it's ineffective. I think the naked walk of atonement is much more effective. I think there's probably a happy medium somewhere, you know, where (laughs) we get sincerity, we get truth out of the guy or gal, we get, um, you know. All I want is contrition. Yeah, we get contrition, we get accountability and responsibility. I want Will, I don't want to cancel Will Smith. I, I don't, no. even though I fully disagree with what he did. I just want him to admit like that, that was, I was way out of line. I was trying to assert my own masculinity and it had nothing to do with my wife. It has to do with me in this place that I'm at. And I apologize to Chris. I take it all back. Something like that, you know? Yeah. Look, by the way, one of our listeners sent in a link to a podcast by a Harvard educated lawyer who discusses the actual litigation that could or could not occur because of Will Smith's slap. But, um, well, let's, let's continue with Shukin though. Um, next he was asking about masking. Do, is masking the cause of some of these um, outbursts that we're seeing in the public sphere Does it cause us to look at everything as a threat because everyone has a mask on? Well, the mask on on hyper alert for something. Yeah. And there's a less humanization because of the mask, I think is the other point there. It's kind of like, yeah, yeah, we're all anonymous now. So that person could be a threat or I can get away with something that I wouldn't have gotten away with before. It's a sociological question. And a psychological one, I think there's a lot of validity in that. I think there's a lot of validity in the concept of a mask making me more hyper-judgmental because I can't read the social cues as quickly. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they're smiling. I don't know if there's a scowl. I don't know if there's a scar across his cheek. Yeah, so... It's a a bit of a stretch to draw... uh, that as the cause and sailor Karen as the reaction or Will Smith as the reaction. But I do think that there's a correlation, if not a causation, there is a correlation that he's identifying for sure. Yeah. I think some of these things all touch on truth. You know, there's a little bit, 
there's something there for sure with what Shukin is bringing forth. I would suggest to you that the first part of his, his call about judgment, like when we're in the water and we're surfing, at least I can speak for myself, I'm constantly in judgment. Like my little pea brain is constantly going, is this guy a threat to me and my selfish need to catch waves? And sadly, that's kind of where my mental state is a lot of the time. Now I'm working through that. I'm trying to get better. And of course, as you get older, it's easier to work through that. It's easier to go, ah, you know what? I've been there, done that. I'm good. You know, um, but, but even in the public sphere, our, my own ability to place judgment immediately. And there's an old spiritual axiom. I think it's by, um, is it William Jennings or William James? And it's basically, it says, um, contempt prior to investigation is the ultimate sin. Something along those lines. Contempt prior to investigation. It's like the number one sin for me personally. You know, this, this notion where I immediately go into judgment, which is basically yeah. just, that's all there is between my ears up here is one huge judgment maker. You know, I'm just spitting out judgments left and right throughout the day without actually looking into it. And so the answer to all of this is, well, what is the answer to all of this? And I would suggest to you, and I, for me personally, it's, it's about pulling back, quieting myself in the morning, being able to kind of take some breaths and kind of go through a meditative moment so that throughout the day, perhaps I may be able to act a little bit more like an adult. Now, look, it doesn't always occur that way. But anyway, yeah. that's my take on it. Well, does the uh, pea brain thing that you're talking about in the water serve a purpose that is beneficial to you? No, it's, it's all hyper selfishness. Okay. You know, because I mean, does, does it, does it, does my read on what's going on in the water that's happening in my head, is it valid? You know, nine times out of 10, what would be much better? And this actually happened yesterday is if I just went, God, I'm stoked these guys are out here with me. I want to see these guys rip, you know, like, and then all of a sudden my, everything changes. My whole attitude, my whole outlook on the whole situation has changed. So it really is about, okay, what is my thought process going to be? What am I, what do I, what do I think? And how I think is going to affect how I act. And, yeah. you know, I mean, this is pretty much simple, you know, um, self-awareness 101, but I'm, I'm lacking. I need 101. Yeah. <laughs> I need yeah, a beginner's yeah, yeah. course. Well, the only reason I say, does it serve a purpose is, um, I don't think the judgment, I mean, judgment has a negative connotation because it's, it's almost built in that you're condemning the other person, but I don't think that judgment necessarily has to be negative. You can make assessments of things that help you eliminate threats you know, um, stereotypes that you've developed about, you know, maybe what a robber looks like or a criminal looks like they're wearing a mask. Right. But in the water, but in the water surfing, right. Yeah. Yeah. What is judgment for? And if you feel threatened, then what is the fear behind the threat? What are you afraid of? That's really what it comes down to is, is fear driving me. Right. And the reality is you're rarely ever going to encounter somebody that robs you. And so you, you're kind of constantly wandering around with, uh, 
worried about things that will never ultimately happen. I just want to restate Shukin's quote because I thought it was well-worded. And he said that ego is in its essence, a reinforced separation of others and self for the purpose of judging. And when we judge others, it's a reflection of what we don't like in ourselves. So I think, I think that's really interesting too. It's like your ego is, your ego is like, okay, I'm good at these things. I'm built this way. You know what? That person's not, we're different. We're not alike. And you know what? I don't like that about that person because they're not like me in this way. That's exactly what it is. Or I don't like that person because subconsciously I see myself in that action. Exactly. Which is kind of what you, judgment is, and I've said this before, it's the like Excalibur sword of our ego. It's the number one defense. It's what our, and you know, it's hard to grow spiritually if, if the ego is the dominant factor here. Well, Shukin, call in anytime. I don't say it often enough, but our listener line number is 760-237-0150. And um, I don't know how you're going to compete with Shukin, though. If you're going to call in, how do you compete with that? Well, it's funny. I got an email from somebody who said the listener line sucks or something. Did you see that email? No. I don't know. Maybe it was full. Does that thing get full? I don't think so. Shoot. Did they say it was full? I don't know. I just, I kind of don't have the email in front of me, but I just okay. remember somebody going, by the way, the listener line sucks. <laughs> That's funny. Well, cause they don't want to listen to the calls. Maybe I don't. Know. I disagree. People love the listener line. Um, I got listener email regarding bells. We've got Kelly who potentially has COVID. What, where would you like to go? Where would you like to go with the show? Um, well, I'll let you lead off. Okay, well, let's touch on Bells. Um, the Bells Beach event is coming up. You and I were talking. This is feedback from last week. I was discounting Mick Fanning as a wild card. And then you and I both got an email from um, a listener named Brian. And he said, you guys keep poo-pooing Mick as a wild card at Bells, but it doesn't seem like you looked at the results over the years. He has the highest winning percentage uh, at Bells of any surfer in the draw. He has won more titles there than almost any surfer in history. And David's repeated asser, assertion that the conditions have been crap over their last couple of months. That's like complaining about summer here. The Austral Prime uh, swell season is just getting started. Yeah, Brian's a longtime listener. He's been listening to this show and and my radio show since you know way back 20 years ago or whatever. And, um, you know, let's just have, you know, it's funny. It makes me want to just immediately go to Surfline and see what the forecast is. Yeah. Well, um, Maurice Cole posted something that it looks like there is, it's cleaning up a little bit and there is swell on the way, but I don't think it's going to be substantial. Um, here's a rebuttal phone call from the listener line to Brian's email. Hey guys, how you doing? Call in, uh, regards, uh, regarding the spit. Hey, so listen to the podcast talking about bells right now with Mick Fanning being the wild card. Yeah, not exciting at all. It is a complete waste of a wild card. Mick may be a multi-time world champion, but his surfing is very vanilla. I, if I was Mick, I'd even say, nah, I don't need to come back. I mean, why come back to basically get spanked by all the young guys? Because that's what's going to happen here. They'll make the round of 32, and then that'll be it. So, anyways, love your guys' show. Keep up the good work. Later. 
Bold call. Yeah, good call. And, and on, you know, sort of to follow up on that call, I forget who wrote it, but you probably remember, but I read a really good article about this recently. Um, I think it might, was it Steve Shearer or well, I think it was one of the Australian writers or may I forget. I wish I could remember who it was because he deserves to get credit for this, but he was basically kind of basically saying the same thing that we were saying that, that Mick's bad for Australian surfing. His article oh was gosh. basically, his article was basically, why are we retreading these retired surfers? What yeah. we have four or five very exciting 19 and 20 year old Australians that are like, you know, whatever, winning the Australian junior pro or whatever, you know, they have credentials. Yeah. Why aren't we showcasing them? Is that really what this is about? Like, is this turned into like the seniors tour, you know? And look, yeah, Mick has great results. There's no doubt. I mean, whatever he's, he's won the bell. I don't know how many times he's rung the bell three or four times, you know, but I mean, you know, yeah. Muhammad Ali won the world championship too. You know, I mean, that's an extreme example. You don't just doesn't mean you bring out the retreads. Now look, Mick could Mick do well? Yeah, frankly, Mick could be a pretty good survival pick if, in fact, he's in there. Um, you know, could you see Mick getting passed around to thirty-two? Yeah, but to me, I think the wild cards need to be this: either a young kid that doesn't give a crap what happens is going to go balls out first heat and take out whoever. You know, somebody that's in the running for a world title that maybe is surfing a little bit more conservatively so he can rack up points. Right. Or a guy that's going to out and out win it, which is kind of the same thing, you know, like a Joel Parkinson that went out and won Jay Bay as a rookie wildcard. Okay. So what you did nail it right there. Um, The competitors who are on tour all year have to surf somewhat conservatively in those, they don't have to, but they often surf somewhat conservatively in those early rounds to get through and try to peak in the final, the wild card who has nothing to lose should go out and be going for tens. Mick fanning surfing is not built that way, even in his prime. You know what I mean? He's still doing the more conservative style of surfing But when he was in his prime, he was doing it to a greater degree than anybody else. And that was what was so incredible, his precision and consistency that, but he's not going to go out and go for broke in those opening heats. He's going to go out and try to post a couple seven fives to get through. And that's not what you want out of the wild card. Yeah. uh, The the wild card needs to be a spoiler storyline. Yeah, I agree. I wish I could remember the guy who wrote this article. It might have been Jamie Curry. It was one of the really well-written guys who follows the the WSL. Jamie's uh, Scottish. It was either Jamie or Steve Shearer or who am I missing? Who's one of the other big writers? There's a number of them, I suppose. Sean? Sean Doherty? No, it wasn't Sean. It wasn't. Um, Well, But let's talk about Mick himself, that vanilla surfing, because I got another message from somebody else saying Mick Fanning is the most disrespected surfer in the world. He's got three (laughs) world titles. He's proven it time and time again, how great, how great he is. And all anybody ever does is try to downplay it. And I'm like, well, what about Gabriel Medina? We talk a lot of crap about Gabriel Medina. He goes, no, Mick gets it worse than Gabe does. You know, Gabe's got tons of fanfare as well he's got a small contingent of people who disrespect him everybody 
he talks about Mick being vanilla. What are your thoughts on Mick's vanilla-ness? Well, it's interesting, right? Because I sit here and I say to myself, okay, it's, this is Masters Golf Week. There's nothing that myself and millions of golf fans, um, there's nothing more than, that we'd like to see than an old guy, Tiger Woods, go out and win the, world, and win the golf tournament. And what's the difference between me rooting for that, for Tiger Woods, versus me rooting for Mick Fanning? And the difference is Tiger Woods could go out and slaughter the field. Like he could go out and legitimately beat the field. And Mick Fanning, yeah. his surfing isn't to the level of Felipe. And I mean, as far as like radical cutting edge, top of the line, high performance surfing of 2022. Whereas Tiger Woods's golf would be top of the line golfing of 2022. If and so, so the, the appropriate comparison there is Tiger would be Kelly. Kelly's still on tour. Telly, Kelly is still winning events. So he could reach his former glory in his current stage. Mick yeah, hasn't. Mick I'm, I'm absolutely rooting for Kelly to, to win Bells. That would be exciting. you know. And it's not that I'm not rooting for Mick to win Bells, but if Mick wins Bells, I don't know. It's not, I, you know, maybe this guy's right. Maybe we're putting too much grief on Mick. I love, by the way, who doesn't love Mick Fanning surfing? The guy's insane. Super critical, high speed, action packed, big carves, you know, like for a 57 year old like me that I would love to surf like that, you know? Of course. Yeah. But I well, don't think that's the top echelon of where we're at as far as progressive surfing. I, so we do talk too much crap about Mick. I think we've also given Mick plenty of respect over the years. So we're now, we have a baseline of love and respect and now we can kind of nitpick and be critical. Um, but he's, first of all, he's not at the top of his game. So if he was still hitting that Zenith and making these incremental refinements in that same vanilla style of surfing that again, was the best version of speed, power, and flow that we had ever seen up until that moment, then great. Yes, put him back in and he can still continually refine that. We can compare that to what Idolo's doing and compare that to what Felipe's doing and try to see, wow, which is actually more technical and proficient. He's not at that level anymore. And I would say he's even at a 75% of that level. You know, he's not even in the 90th percentage of that level. Um, so that's one thing. The other thing is I've used this analogy with Jamie Flor uh, yeah, Jeremy Flores in the past, which is whatever Mick does at Bells, it's not going to be different than anything that we've ever seen Mick do at Bells previously. So it eliminates what you want out of a wild card. You want excitement. Felipe Toledo, he could go out there and do something that we've never seen. You, there's the possibility of the unseen. Kanoe Garashi. Uh, Griffin Colapinto, all these guys, they paddle out and you're like, I expect them to do something that I've never seen them do before. And they're also trying to set a new bar for surfing. So something that nobody's ever done before at Bells. Mick or the aforementioned Jeremy Flores, they're just kind of designed to make these incremental improvements on what we already know they can do. What needs to be done at Bells, by the way, is, is high performance, um, uh aerial surfing on the outside sections which is super hard to do because it's kind of a fat wave so we look towards that end section we talked about this last week that end section is kind of where the money is made and what's mick going to do he's going to do a banger fins out carve into the rebound 
Yeah. And a lot of guys are going to do that, by the way. Yeah. But somebody, Idolo, Felipe, Kanoa, one of those guys is actually going to do an aerial there. Kelly's done an aerial there. John, John. John, John's. You know what I mean? And that's where we're like, okay, yeah, you know, like that's a step above. You know, does Mick have that in his game? I don't no. think so. Let me ask no. you this, though. What This is what popped into my mind. If I told you that Mick Fanning was going to be a wild card at Jay Bay and, the, and it's going to be six to eight feet with 10-foot sets, would you be excited? More, more so. Uh, well, if, if you, I think Mick Fanning and Jay Bay where it's like constant, like if, the type of bells was going to be six. See, yeah, but no, still bells is like two, two soft turns out the. You know, to yeah. me, it's just Jay Bay is like okay, step on the pedal, drive through yeah, a down barrel, the do a ninety mile an hour huge gaffing Mick Fanning white lightning speed act, pull into another section, drive super fast. You know. You know what I'm saying? Like it's yeah, it's yeah. his surfing more. Jay Bay is kind of like, oh man, it's like Cardiff. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a down the line. You want, yeah, I, I agree with you. He'd be a little bit better of a pick there, but even still, he's outdated. You know what I mean? It's not servicing the I goal. Don't, I don't think Mick Fanning would be outdated at six to eight foot Jay Bay with ten foot sets. He I think be you'd more be more qualified there. I think you'd be kids. pretty excited to see Jay to see Mick Fanning versus Philippe Toledo in a heat like you know what i mean like that yeah, would yeah. be like i'd be going i hope mick kicks felipe's ass here that would psych me yeah you know? yeah yeah well uh <laughs> love and respect to mick fanning wild card for the bells event um which starts on the 10th i think is the first day of the waiting period but i think uh the swell kind of shows up on the 11th which would be so, what day here because they were day behind yeah, let me look. So today uh, the is the 6th. Is... It'll be the 7th. In a few hours, it'll be the 7th in Australia. Yeah, the 11th is Monday. So uh, we Sunday for us. It would Sunday air. afternoon it could start. Yeah. Um, well, Kelly Slater posted right on, I think it was on uh, April Fool's Day or right around April Fool's Day in <laughs> an Instagram story showcasing a positive test result with COVID testing positive for COVID-19. He said, this is the gift I got from the Oscars. And um, it has not yet been revealed whether or not that was an April fool's joke. Uh, so if we just take it at face value, Kelly Slater has COVID-19 and uh, that could affect his, him getting into Australia. I got to believe this is an April fool's joke. It'd be I weird don't to think not, it's in you want to deliver a punchline with a joke, don't you? Or just, you know, maybe it's just flipping everyone off like you and I just going, you know, <laughs> I don't know. But it just doesn't seem like that would be the smart move if you did get COVID-19. I don't know. You know, Kelly's a wild card. Some of the stuff he does sometimes surprises you. And, and that's well, kind of why we love what he does sometimes, you know. But is are it, you taking this at face value? Because I'm not. I think that this is an April Fool's joke. I mean, wouldn't you tell all the people that you were around first? Or maybe he did. And I, wouldn't those would people say, oh, I was presenting with Kelly and he got COVID. And so I'm going to take or maybe just everyone. They're just private about it, which makes a ton of sense too. just don't say anything. That's what I don't understand about this is it doesn't make sense in either way you look at it. A, why would you 
publish that on social media if you did have COVID. That's a super weird thing to share publicly, right? Yeah. B, B, um, is it okay to make COVID jokes yet? I mean, it's almost like a cancer joke. You know what I mean? Like, I don't I mean, think- yeah, everyone's tiptoeing around their joke telling these days. That's for sure. <laughs> That's true. I, I mean, it's just not that funny of a joke, you know? And then also, I think if it is a joke, then you need to follow up with a punchline, which is, ha ha, that was a joke. It was April Fool's got you. You know what I mean? But the fact that he hasn't followed up with that makes me want to think it's real. But then why would you publish it if it was real? It's just bizarre to me. The whole thing's bizarre. Um, I've been trying to kind of track what the protocol is for entering Australia. It seems like he can quarantine, test, and still get in with enough time. Do you know that to be true? I don't know the exact um, requirements or, or procedures. I saw I know, a few different it, things. Posted, it changes from so state to sure. state. Like right. Western Oz is a little tougher you know, than some of the other states, but I don't know exactly what they are. And of course, like we said earlier, those things are changing. The, the policies and protocols and procedures are changing. It's in flux. It's Yeah. You know. Well, um, Rainbow in New Zealand, our longtime listener emailed. I don't know if you got this email or if you could decipher it. Um, I edited it to try to kind of make it more concise. But Rainbow said, why would you unembarrassingly admit publicly that you contracted COVID, but not be willing to admit your immunization status? So I think that's interesting because Kelly has uh, almost willfully defied people's request to ask about his vaccination status, but now he's just willy-nilly about this result. So that is weird. He goes on to say, uh, but this is the worst kind of admission. Without accepting responsibility for his own health and welfare, he clearly attributes blame to the liberal elite of the academy who provided him with an opportunity to cement his goat of goat among goats status on the world stage. But worst, he provides an image of his result that clearly has been doctored. Can you really believe this stuff? So I guess he, Rainbow thinks that uh, result, that test result was doctored. He finishes by saying, it's an admission. It's also an admission that the clean living and eating that Kelly has proposed would protect him clearly didn't work. But forget that message. It was somebody else's fault. It was the Academy's fault. How convenient. Unless this was all a prank in which, of course, he might get an Oscar for this next year. Look, I think we're reading too much into this. I think that this is just an April Fool's joke. And, uh, you know. I don't think it deserves too much more um, oxygen. Well, maybe, like I said, is it allowed? Are you allowed to make COVID jokes yet? Yeah, I wonder. Why not? I wonder. Well, I, I think you should he, be. I think you well, should be allowed to make any joke you want at this point. Like, you know, like what would, um, what would our friend, uh, uh, who's the guy with the eleven dirty jokes or seven dirty words or whatever? George Carlin. What would George Carlin say? George Carlin would be like. Yeah. Tell a joke. Like I'm kind of, I'm kind of bummed out for the comedians that are like oh, going to get yeah. hassled, you know? And so if I'm bummed out for them, I got to be on Kelly's side here, which I am like, well, it has to be a good joke. It has to no, be a funny doesn't. joke. It doesn't. Yeah, it does. It doesn't yeah, it does. because that's in the eyes of the beholder or the listener, you know, like obviously uh, the comedian thought it was worthy. And so he's going to go out there because some jokes fail, you know, I think. So if this was a joke, I think Kelly might have uh, posted it. And then people are like, a, it's not funny. B, it's about COVID. It's a sensitive subject. And so Kelly just 
never followed up with the punchline. He just kind of, oh, hopefully this will just go away and moved past it, you know? Um, really not. Did you, so Ricky Gervais, who is more of a shock comic, people could, and he hosted the Oscars previously and he just ripped into people. Very, very funny. None of it was crossing the line in my estimation because it was funny. But they asked him what his thoughts were about Will Smith and Chris Rock. And he goes, um, well, my thought is I wouldn't have made fun of Jada's bald head. That's lame. I would have made fun of her boyfriend. <laughs> oh, my God. You mean plural, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny because that is much more. That's a much meatier joke. It's more interesting. It's more relevant. You know, like it's touching on what is the storyline. And then Will would have to really confront that. That's a real thing that Will would have been squirming in his seat about deciding whether or not he's going to Did you tell retaliate. me that funny joke about the meme? Yeah. That was great. Where there's a meme To calm Will there. down. Yeah, go ahead. To tell calm me. Will down, they gave him a statue of Jada Pinkett Smith. Right. There's a picture of Will with his wife and the Oscar. And they said to calm Will down, they gave him a statue of his wife. <laughs> A gold that statue is, of That is the best one. Hey, now would um, be a good time for a break. Okay, sweet. Let's go to break. We always talk about Neat Essentials wetsuits, outerwear. You know what I don't talk about nearly often enough is a product that I wear every single day. And that is my Neat Essentials shorts. There's two pairs, a walk short, and then also this board short, which uh, has the side pocket. So unfortunately I don't get to surf in warm water enough to actually wear these surfing uh, very often anyways, but I wear these around the house all the time. I wear them running. And the reason why I wear these running is this side pocket keeps the phone hugged against your thigh. So it's not uh, flopping around, you know, it's just kind of snug tucked in right there um, without a lot of jostling. And the other thing is I've had these for probably two years and they're still in phenomenal condition. There's no rips. There's no, the seams are all intact and they're still stark black like they should be. Well, yeah. I mean, look, Neat Essentials has incredible wetsuits that keep you super cozy, touchy, warm. But um, I mean, I use my Neat Essentials wet dry bag on every single surf trip I take, you know, and you've got their um, boardies, their walk shorts. And, and, you know, they've got a bunch of other essentials, you know, the essentials for surfing. I mean, we, look, we figured out how to make shorts, right? I mean, they, they, we don't need to add, you don't need any different materials. You don't need to add any complexity. These are the simple essential short in black, perfect fit, lasts for years. You don't need anything else. But David, those aren't the shorts my favorite pro surfer wears. Good, good. <laughs> Pick your own path. Don't fall victim to all the gimmicks and all the hype. NeedEssentialsUSA.com. And they're a partner here, and they have been since the very beginning. They were among our first partners, so that's pretty huge. Absolutely. And, um, you know, while we're speaking of partners that that have been with us for a long time, AG1, my athletic greens, I love it. It's right there. It happens every single morning. It's part of my morning routine. I get all my essential greenery, vitamins, and minerals. It's super simple. It tastes good. And um, as listeners know, my 
wife and I are big fans of the AG1 program. Athleticgreens.com slash surf is our portal where you find optimal health and you support our work. I drank mine in the opening of today's show. You could have probably heard it shaking around. And uh, that's why this has been such a great show, Scott. <laughs> that was my Rapids brain. Synapses firing. But yeah, neatessentials.com, or I'm sorry, neatessentialsusa.com. And then, of course, athleticgreens.com slash surf. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right. Well, back to the show, David. Uh, um, you know, so yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that this is a surf show. And one of the things that's sort of like the buried lead here on the show that today is this pumping massive swell in, in Australia. I'm sure everyone's seen the footage on Instagram from a couple of days ago. I think it was April 2nd or April 3rd or something. But um, just bombing, outer reef bombies uh, in Sydney and the surrounding areas on the east coast of Australia. They've just been getting incredible double XL for their type surf, you know, which what was about the great rides. What about the inner reef bombings, bombies that are yeah. hitting the slab and going completely square? Um, somebody sent me raw footage from Dead Man's in mm. Sydney, which yeah. it, raw footage meaning like the guy who filmed it just kind of put it all up there. Six or seven minutes runtime on uh, YouTube. Sounds boring when you say raw footage, but when it's at Dead Man's, it's like you don't want to just see the highlights because every the way that each wave morphs is interesting. You know, the rides that are made are all equally as interesting. And there's the rides that are not made the rides people pull back on to see what that wave does. All of it is compelling. So the raw footage is actually better, I think, than an edited clip oftentimes, but that wave it's unsurfable. I mean, guys do make waves out there, but it's uh, eight out of 10 are just not meant to be surfed at all. It is a mutant wave. So super yeah, interesting viewing. For sure. No, it's incredible. So if you get a chance, Google around YouTube around, there's, I'm 
you know, I'm sure everyone's seen the footage. It's been all over Instagram. It's been super fun to watch. And, um, you know, just sort of like your average um, local crew scoring, you know, it's not like, you know, red, super red hot ripper guys. It's just like hardcore the crew, you know, which I kind of dig, you know, the blue collar guys that are out there before work. Well, talking about blue collar uh, rippers, groundskeeper Willie, <laughs> Russell, Be- <laughs> Russell Beerke popped back up. Um, he posted, it was a few days prior to that, but he posted a clip from Cape Salander and it's woefully underviewed. I mean, we, every time Russell Beerke pops up, which is twice a year for you and I, yeah, we're just blown away by this kid. It's he's unbelievably, first of all, talented, but also just ballsy. Like he is taking those mutants and making them look surfable and so he just posted that clip on his YouTube channel a week ago, and it only has 5,000 views. And I watch it, and I'm like, this, is, this should be viral, going viral. This should be setting the surf world a storm, um, ablaze. I don't know what the right fr- <laughs> phrase there is, yeah. but uh, taking the surf world by storm. But it's got 5,000 views, and it's so, so gnarly. I think we're just, stuff falls on deaf ears nowadays because we have so yeah. much content, but this yeah. is it. Beerkey surfing Cape Salander is as entertaining as anything that I've seen. So Yeah. Well, I'm going to have to check it out. I haven't even seen it. I'm surprised it hasn't fallen through my feed somewhere, you know, and popped up on Instagram or something. I, that's the thing that I was just kind of alluding to is I think there's just too much white noise on Instagram. And it used to be that you and I, 10 years ago, I would dedicate a little bit of time each day. I'd pull up Surfline, scroll through what videos they've posted, and then be like, oh, this one looks interesting. And I'd watch three minute clips, five minute clips. And Surfline was kind of an aggregate for all those videos. And then Stab Magazine was aggregating all of those videos as well. So I went there as also stab doesn't really do that anymore they do post kind of the best of the best i think is what they try to do and i don't know if surfline is still doing the aggregate thing and maybe i've just spent less time dedicated to it but um this would have made this would have made my week in previous years you know yeah it's interesting editorially i was just um as you mentioned all of this this sort of instagram malaise if you will um where you know, the biggest thing on the internet, right when the internet came out, was the Laird Hamilton footage at Chopu. Yeah. And if that came out today, and I mean, if you weren't around back then, this was probably 2000 or 2001 or something like that. And I was the online editorial director at that time at Surfer Magazine. And it blew up our, you know, luckily Tim McKenna gave us the footage to use. And it was on one or two other websites, but everybody kind of focused on surfermag.com at the time. And it just blew up our internet. It was like the biggest deal in the, in, in the internet world. You know, it was probably the first viral surf buzz. And um, like I said, now, you know, editorially, if you're in a meeting, you're like, okay, we got a really great Chopu clip of, you know, you know, what's the kid's name? Matteo Trollet or whoever. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know what? That's already been seen on Instagram. Let's wait on that. Let's do something else that nobody's seen. You know, like it's kind of everyone's probably searching editorially for the footage that's a little bit different, you know? Well, I mean, are people even taking three minutes to watch these clips anymore? That's the question, you know? 
Or no, the answer is probably not. Or yeah, 5,000 views for Beerkey. So no, they're not. But let's take the one clip, put it on Instagram, and it'll see millions of people. Yeah, it's interesting because um, when you say, hey, let's look at the, at the Cape Salander footage of Russell Beerkey, I can sit here without seeing it and see it. Like in my mind's eye, I mm-hmm. think I know what's going to happen. It's going to be a late drop into a probably a sketchy bottom turn where he pulls into this massive slab thing and it just like folds over him and partially, you know, chandeliers maybe and then spits him out enormously and he's just mind blown and he puts his hands on his head and he goes, oh, and you know, okay, I just saw it. Yeah. I've seen it so many times that I've seen it. Well, then let me ask you this. If I say Tom Curran surfing waist high point break in mexico looking for free scrubbers on the beach why are you interested in that because i know that just per- piqued your interest it does and i think maybe on some level because it's more relatable for me personally yeah. you know like i'm like yeah you know what tom's my age i want to see and tom's surfing his style is something that we all aspire to or many of us aspire to and so there's some aspiration there I wonder too, if you only have room for 10 people in your brain and it's like, Tom's in my brain. I love him. I'm going to watch Tom Beerkey shows up and he's like 50th in line, you know? (laughs) And so I'll make room for these 10 people like Mason Ho. Oh yeah. I'll watch his clip because he's one of those 10 people. Right. But I don't have room for any more beyond that. Ethan Ewing. I like him, but he's like 11 or 12th in line. So you have to shove it in front of my face for me to watch that this is a really great point there's only room for five guys yeah is it even 10 no i think it's five it is so so the question to the listeners is send us your five you know we'd like to know who your five are i mean honestly dane reynolds got bumped out of that list a few years back because even when he posts clips now i don't necessarily sit around and watch them i'll I gave them a chance a year ago, two years ago, and then they kind of waned in terms of intensity. And so my interest waned, but among my top five, I'd have to really like um, spend time to craft and hone the list. Kelly is still in it. Yeah. Uh, Tom Curran is still yeah. in it. Yeah. Uh, Clay Marzo. I'm very interested in still because yeah. every time he posts something, it, does blow my mind in complete contradiction to or contrast to my Jeremy Flores example earlier, where he's going to kind of do the same thing. Clay Marzo always does something that blows my mind, you know, yeah. and it may be a version of something he did before, but it still blows my mind. Yeah. Um, Torin Martin, I somehow, for some reason, take the time to watch maybe because of that relatable thing. So there's four. You know what I was going to mention too is that the five on your list might not all be surfers. There might be swells, or like for instance, if I was like, dude, it's six to eight feet at J Bay, you should see the raw footage. Like the six to foot eight feet recent swell at J Bay, is that one of the five, regardless of who the surfers are? You know, kind of, yeah. yeah. Or I mean, pipeline. You know, I'll watch if pipes pumping. I'll watch that. Yeah. Um, well. Interesting. Um, I have a story that is compelling or interesting to me. I don't know 
it's surf adjacent, somewhat surf adjacent, but it's really interesting. Derek Riley covered it um, about the rights, the right family getting wronged. Did you see this? No, no. I oh my that. gosh. Owen, <clears throat> the Owen Wright, Mikey Wright, Tyler Wright got fleeced by their accountant for $1.5 million collectively. So one year ago, their bookkeeper, Shane Marie Hatton, was charged with 749 counts of dishonesty, obtaining financial advantage by deception, totaling $1.5 million from those siblings. Uh, Hatton is 53. He was a family friend of the rights. And um, although it is safe to, to assume that friendship had become somewhat strained, he was doing bookkeeping for the rights plumbing business. So I think that those kids, their dad is a plumber and this guy was doing the accounting for the plumbing business. But once the kids started making money in surfing, he's like, oh, I can take over doing some of the accounting for the kids as well. So police allege that Hatton spent $1.2 million on gambling and poker machines while the rest was wasted, quote unquote, <laughs> as if the gambling and poker machines were not wasted. Um <laughs> Close the oh, article. That speaks to the Australian culture right there. <laughs> Does it? <laughs> Gambling is a justifiable use of the money, but the rest of it was wasted. <laughs> right. Um, so, I mean, that's a crazy tragedy. I'm sure those kids are okay and they have more money, but um, it's still a huge sum of money. So yeah. crazy. But what was interesting too was that Derek closed the article by mentioning, quote, one man who ripped off Andy and Bruce Irons for a million bucks, as well as another 30 or so people for a total of 50 million bucks, ended up at the bottom of a canyon after a mysterious car accident. Andy Irons told me at the time, couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Oh, my God. That sounds kind of gnarly. Where was the canyon? Was that in Kauai or something? Or Great question, because I researched it. I was like, man, I maybe I just wasn't paying attention at the time that that story broke. Um, cause it was 2009. Yeah. So I researched it and this is from the associated press. It says a former Hawaii mortgage broker who had admitted to cheating investors out of as much as $30 million in a Ponzi scheme, Ponzi scheme was found dead after driving off a 200 foot cliff in Washington state. The body of James Lull, 60, of Kirkland, Washington, was found near Yakima on Thursday, the day he was sentenced in Honolulu Federal Court. Lull had pled guilty to wire fraud in September and had faced a sentence of up to 20 years in prison. A trucker on I-82 spotted the white vehicle at the bottom of the canyon. The Washington State Patrol said a trooper climbed down and found Lowell dead behind the wheel, 12 to, 20, 12 to 48 hours, presumably after the crash. Lowell left the interstate and drove across a field through a fence to reach the cliff. Officers did not find a suicide note from the wreckage of the truck, um, blah, 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 blah. Uh, the other stuff I think I already covered the Ponzi scheme and the irons being bilked for a million bucks. Yeah. Uh, basically he was a branch manager at a mortgage company. And so he was making uh, real estate investments on their behalf. But um, I think Derek, by saying that he was mysterious, it was a mysterious car crash was a little bit of creative yeah. license on Derek's part. It seems yeah. from my research that it was a legitimate suicide because it happened the day of the sentencing. Exactly. 
So, but compelling, I mean, interesting. Yeah. These, I mean, I used to watch all these uh, serial killer documentaries on Netflix and stuff. Yeah. Now I'm all about the con man documentaries. American There's Green. one called, yeah, it's really interesting to me for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty weird. Um, there's a lot of um overlapping somebody did an article once about how all of these things basically have this three i forget what they are i'm gonna butcher it so i better not go into it but there's three commonalities and i I don't remember what they are go ahead (laughs) (laughs) greed sex power let me guess no no they're more specific they're like they're like um poison (laughs) um you know oh are you talking about a quick vacation and okay okay and uh a jilted lover yeah exactly yeah something like that yeah if you talk about what how murders like 99 percent of murders are i think one of them is is it's poison a vacation and the purchase of some sort of bleach at the home depot okay (laughs) like they all three have those three things every story yeah if you know of those three things existing in somebody's life, run for the hills. Right. <laughs> Get away. I know I figured out Dateline, NBC has such an equation. Like they start off in the intro, the teaser in the intro, just like, um, I can't even recreate one, but they give you they give you the beginning and middle and end in this 30 second intro. And then they take you on this journey and they start adding in all this complexity. Like, well, maybe it was the neighbor. The neighbor had a shady past. And you're like, if you didn't mention the neighbor in the first 30 seconds, it's not the neighbor. And nine times out of 10, it's just the jilted husband every single time, you know? Right. Um, But these, these con man stories are compelling to me. I think now because money is, the numbers are so much more vast than they ever have been before. Like I'm, uh, I don't know if you watched the Tinder swindler on Netflix. No. Okay. This dude meets women on Tinder. Uh, wait, don't tell me because I want to watch it now. Okay. I can tell you without revealing very much. I mean, it's in the title, the Tinder swindler. Right. I got but that part. This guy meets women on Tinder and he plays the role of being this, super wealthy, you know, uh, baller, like private jets lives in four seasons, hotels around the world, goes from one place to the next, just to do a diamond brokering for his family business, basically. And then a short while into the relationship, he's stuck somewhere and he needs 20,000 bucks. And so the woman who's like, Oh yeah, he's a millionaire. I've seen him flying on private jets, you know, like, yeah, I'll loan him the 20,000 bucks. And then later he needs another and then another and another. Um, the, uh, then there's another one on a woman who owned a restaurant in New York called bad vegan. That one's super compelling too. Um, and she gets swindled by a boyfriend and built for a couple million bucks as well. And, it's just, yeah, it's fascinating to me that people fall for these things is what's fascinating. Like meeting a guy on Tinder and being willing to loan him $20,000. I don't care if it's your third year of the relationship, loaning him 20 million or 20,000 bucks is not a great idea. You know, the fact the way, that people I've, do it is insane. I've got a buddy who, who just got on Tinder for the first time. And he's like sending me these texts. He's like, look at this super smoking hot chick. And there's like, some he sends me pictures of these super smoking hot chicks you know and they're like in japan and they're like and they're and they're like yeah i'm just having these great conversations and then he sends me ones turns out 
she wanted me to invest some money in real estate with her. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you want to steer clear of that one. <laughs> so did he? No. Um, They're out there. Be careful. I'm a little bit um, out of practice, but man, I could have given him the playbook for how to operate those apps. Yeah, I don't know anything about it. I've never, never had to deal with it, thankfully. Well, hey. Happily married for 24 years. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It worked for me too. Yeah. Um, well, okay. yeah, great show. Uh, Bells is coming up. Are you going to give us your survival pick? No, no, I'm okay. not. But I have made my selection and I will reveal more uh, after the event begins, maybe this weekend. And then I can rub it in Brian's face next week and be like, look, the waves were crappy and Mick lost first round. <laughs> stats, yeah. stats be damned. Exactly. That's what I want to do. Well, then you'll do it. Here, well, here, I find myself now, really what I want is the waves to be pumping. And if Mick won, that'd be incredible, right? But yeah. no, now I'm rooting against that. I want the waves to be crappy and Mick to lose just so I can be right over Brian. <laughs> That's all that matters to me at this point. Oh, Lordy. Well, I, uh, hopefully the waves are good. And it would be better if the waves were pumping and Mick, you know, had his moment. That's basically the vibe you get is that it's like, a, hey, let's all clap for Mick one last time type of thing. I've already clapped for him the last time, multiple times. I'm done clapping for him. Yeah. I um, but, um, Griffin Colapinto is who I am clapping for because he is my survival pick. Oh, okay. It's a good pick. It's a good pick. Yeah, Griff. Good luck to you and to Griff. Thank you. Thank you. Good luck to you and Felipe Tolino. <laughs> well, look, until next time, David, adios and aloha. Some days are diamonds. Some days are rocks. Doors are open Some roads are blocked Sundowns are golden Then fade away And if I never do nothing I'll get you back someday Cause you got a heart
but you got a heart.